everybody. What is going on? This is Allison from the Locally Sourced Podcast. On today's podcast, I have the owner of Jador Boutique in Wakefield, Michelle. Michelle is a longtime resident of Wakefield and has a background in fashion, design, and art. Michelle has owned Jador for over 10 years. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Allison. I'm excited to have you on here. I know how busy things are have been as lately, so you taking the time out of your day. I truly appreciate you taking the moment to be with us. And I appreciate you asking me. Thank you. Of course. You know, I follow you on Instagram and I love every post. So I was like, you know, I got to get them on the show and really talk about their shop and how long they've been around and their success. So I'm excited to have this chat with you. Thank you. So, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your history with Wakefield and your family history with Wakefield? Okay, so I feel as though I've lived here my entire life, but I really haven't. My parents had a beauty shop here on um, on Chestnut Street for so many years. So when I was in the third grade, we moved here so they could be closer, even though we only lived in Linfield. And I kind of grew up in the beauty shop, said I would never do that. But of course, I ended up going to hairdressing school, opening my own salon. I was 19 years old and, you know, going from there. My father was a selectman. My family owned a lot of property, um, like actually the building that I'm in right now, I'm renting from the person he sold it to. And I love Wakefield. I love it here. So I was never going to open another business in a different place. This is where I feel the most comfortable. What is it that you love about Wakefield? Is it the residents, the location? Of course, you're in a beautiful location next to the lake. I love everything about it. I mean, I just think because I grew up here and of course I went through that time in my life where I said, I'll never live there, but I wouldn't have brought up kids anywhere else. I love everything about it. You know, it's funny you say that because I myself, I'm from Stoneham, grew up in Stoneham, ended up marrying someone someone from Stoneham. We live in Stoneham and I work in Stoneham. So I I get that mentality of, oh, you know, I'm going to leave Stoneham get far away from that place and all of a sudden I haven't left yet so I you know there's always something special about that small little town that you love and the fact that you own a business and it means says a lot about the town in itself and I don't think people realize that like when you're in that like I gotta move to Boston I have to do this and I have to do that I'll never live there it's a small town you don't really realize how much comfort there is in the town that you grew up in and, and the, the support you receive from the residents being such yeah. a small town, there's good and bad, but the great part about it is everyone gets to know you and support you and they really are there for to help you thrive and succeed. Yeah, it's a really good community for business. Everybody helps each other. It's and very you, good. You have so many small independent shops, which is great. So I'm sure there's a great community of local business owners as well. There is. And the nice thing is most of them are women. That's that's even better not to hate yeah. on men, but that's a wonderful thing to hear that yeah. so, uh, Wakefield is such an open community and diverse community with women owners. It is. That's super. Um, so how was the beauty business in that sense for you, opening a shop like that? Yeah. Well, back then, I mean, I loved it. I was there for 18 years. I even thought I was going to stay there after I had children. I brought them to work, but that didn't go good after two years. It was just too hard, but I had my, my mother had passed away. My father came and worked with me and I had really good support with him. And 
I love that business. I also sold clothing in there. It was called Michelle Hair and Wear. So I used to make the clothing and sell it in there. And at that time, I was also teaching fashion design. I had already graduated from school. I was a fashion illustrator. I was doing fashion shows. So there was a lot going on, but I was young. So it was, you never needed to sleep. It's just always, always doing something. So I love that too. That's awesome. And what led you to fashion was how old were you when you realized, oh, I really love fashion? Well, what led me to it was art because I, well, my parents were very fashionable. So we, we grew up loving that, but I guess I went in it blindly when I went to fashion design school. I thought it was more art than constructing things, but I ended up loving it. I graduated and I started teaching at the school that I went to. So I love the art part of it most, and I still do, but I just don't have time to do that anymore. So when you talk about the art part, is it in terms of design, the shapes, how to blend colors and patterns? Um, all of that. I taught fashion illustration. Back then it was very different because when I stopped illustrating was when they came out with computers and they no longer had, everything was done on the computer. So that hand art wasn't, was not popular anymore. And like I would do ads for the newspaper. I did, um, I worked for different companies. I was freelance artist. They all went to photography, computer images. So that's when I was bringing up my kids and I stopped doing it because there was no need for it. I think it's, a, it's too bad. I think so too, because sometimes I think just doing it freehand and it's all coming, you get this passion or this creative piece somehow at 2 a.m. at night and you're just sitting there exactly, yeah. in your book and it's something you would never think of just sitting at a computer. Not to, you know, say computers are bad, but in general, it's sometimes I feel like when you have it pen to paper, it's more from your heart. Definitely. I agree with you. But things changed then. And it was, I was at that time in my life where I had two small children. So I kept doing hair and I also do hair at the funeral home. And I've done that for 40 years. So I kept doing that and I still do it now. So there's, I always tried to do a little bit of everything, but I love fashion and I love shopping. So when I went to open a business, I didn't want to do hair full time because I was getting older. This I, was, I did it on a whim and it was the best thing I ever did because it's made in heaven for me. I love it. And it's great when you have that passion and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel like work anymore. It feels like something you love to do every day, though it may feel like groundhog every day. It's still you're willing to get up and do your best and really enjoy it and um, pass on your love for fashion to others as well. Yes. And being around beautiful things, and I love to purchase things, so now I don't have to buy them and put them in my living room. My husband gets mad because I just keep buying stuff. Now I can buy them and sell them, and I just love everything about it, to tell you the truth. I love it, but I, I've loved everything I've ever done. So we did it on a whim. I said to my husband, take me downtown. Let's look for a visit. Let's look for some property or something to rent, and I'm going to open a store. And three weeks later, we were open. So you did that quickly. Yeah, I do everything like that. It's not always good, but yes, it turned out good. <laughs> that's, you know, it's, you're right. Sometimes that's not the best advice, yeah. but sometimes I think you have to just take that risk. And if you can, I don't see why not, because if you don't do it, you'll regret it in the future when you're older and you say, you know, I kind of wish I took that risk. Yes, you're right. Because yeah, sometimes you can end up it. overthinking 
should I do it? Should I do it? And then five years later, you never did it. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen to me. I just do. And then it is what it is. It always turns out good though. I don't need to think about it. I know what I like. And when you love something so much, you put in the hours, you want, you make sure you succeed. You make sure it does well. Exactly. But you can only do what you know. If you're going to take on something that you don't know, it's not going to be successful. So not only do you have to like it, but you have to know what you know what it is you're selling or doing and you have to have a passion for it you know I come here at five in the morning that's, so you know I like that's impressive I'm still sleeping at that time so. yeah well lately I have been too but generally I'm here five six in the morning it's my best time when it's quiet no one's around you can get so many things done get ready for the day that's wonderful. It just shows your um, dedication to the shop and how much you love what you're doing. So that's, even though it's early, you, like you said, you get to take in every moment and every piece of the shop and really look at what you're doing to say, how can I make this better and make everything work out? Yes. Yeah. So what was it about fashion that your parents really passed down to you? What did, what kind of fashion did they have that you're like, oh my God, that's great. They were just so interested in anything to do with the beauty business and fashion. Back then in the beauty business, it's not like now. There's a beauty shop on every single business. Every other one is a beauty shop. It wasn't like that. They had a huge salon. They kept up with, the, with fashion as well. They went to New York a lot. They came home with nice things. They just loved it. So that's, and they were very social. So that's how we grew up. And it's just something that, I always loved, even when I was in high school, I always loved it. Now, is there a certain fashion you like really said, okay, was there a time when you saw something you're like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? No, because I did a lot of things. Like I just wanted to do everything I could and combine them. I didn't want to do one thing. I knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk. And my uh, mother had passed away when she was young, but my, my dad was like a mother and a father and he was so supportive and he never, if I said, oh, I want to do this, he never said, you're going to fail. So I never failed. Like I said, I'm going to open a beauty shop. I was only 19. He said, go for it. And I, I remember saying to him, what happens? Because it was his, he set it all up and he owned the building. And I, I said, what happens if I decide I don't want to do it in a month? He goes, then we'll close. So 18 years later, I never decided that, but I always had that confidence because, you know, he said, oh, you can do anything. So I thought I could do anything. And that's incredible because sometimes when you're growing up and you say, oh, I want to be this or I want to be that is not a common career path that a lot of people take. A lot of parents kind of like, well, are you sure about that? You should probably yeah. do this or you should probably wait. You know, sure, you want to put money into that. The fact that your father supported you with any endeavor that you took on is wonderful. And I'm sure a lot of parents do that nowadays, seeing the cost of college, seeing the cost of amenities that you have to pay to get a great education. Um, like I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and independent store owners is, you know, sometimes just follow your passion, find that niche that you love and you will be successful. You don't always need the liberal arts degree right away. You can take your time and find something you love and maybe later in life you can get that degree. But the fact that your father 
I'm sure your mother felt the same way. Did it yeah. pressure you to go to school right away? Or I did go to college. You so. did go to college, but I mean, like, in a sense of, you know, don't open the store. You don't know how yeah. successful you'll be at such a young age. Um, it's great that they allowed you to take those risks at that age mm -hmm. and learn. Yeah, it really makes all the difference. They never tried to talk me out of doing anything. And I really felt like I could do anything because they said I could do anything. So I could. And that's great parenting right there. How is college like and where did you go for school? So what happened is I started at um, Salem State, but it was the first year they had an art program and it wasn't enough for me because I'd been doing art my whole life. So I never ended up graduating. I only have, I went from there, I took classes at Framingham State and then I went to, um, I went to the School of Fashion Design. I went there for three years and I, actually only have one class to take to graduate but I'm not going to um from school not from you know the school of fashion design but I will never do it because I really never needed it to do what I did so I don't know I don't even know why I did it it just was something to do at the time I was doing other things too I was running a business while I went there and, and that's a lot that's a lot and for any young person at your age to do both and running a business is like a school in itself. You, you learn yeah, so is. many things, and, you know, you, you get a lot of mentors who are, cons you consider teachers to yourself. Was there anyone while running your business in addition to your parents who are mentors to help you run your business? Not really. So it's just, just you pounding yeah, away. That's it. Not really. I just did it. I really felt like I could do it. So I did it. It was, but I also am that type of person that I like to be busy all the time. So for me, that was fun. So I got to say that it was just really my parents a hundred percent. And that's wonderful. Being so close to your parents that way always helps a lot of people succeed and um, know that they can take over the world. And here that's you right. are owning a successful shop and a, like and having a successful beauty shop before. That's wonderful. So what were some ups and downs that you've learned over the years of owning both businesses? Um, well, of course, I was so much younger then, so it's so totally different. And I guess some people would think the downs is it's hard to do other things. For me, the down was I thought I could I wanted to bring up my kids myself. But I thought I didn't, I could do that while I had my store. And I tried, I, my kids were 11 months apart, the first two. So when I had my son, I used to bring him to work. All the customers, my father, everyone helped me. Then I had my daughter less than a year later. And then I realized I have to make a decision. And for me, it was, you know, I, I really didn't want to close because my family had a business for 35 years. To me, it was a major decision to close. But when I closed, I, it was 100% the right decision. So that was the big challenge with me. Now, when it came to a family and running a business, you, it wasn't going to be successful at that point. You know, you can't do both. And it's hard to know that. I think that's tough for a lot of um, people who want to own a business. Then I think it's hard to understand and once you get into it, how many hours you actually end up putting yeah. in business? It's 24 seven. Unfortunately, yeah. you have to miss certain things if you have children, certain events to run a business because you're the one coming in and saying, um, 
you know, I'm going to open the store if people don't work for me, or I have to close the store if someone calls out, you're always the first person to go in and so forth. So that that's, I'm sure your children appreciate all the, the time you put into being with them and taking that time, making that choice for them. Yeah, but they really didn't like when, like Christmas, both in the beauty business and in uh, sales, you're like Christmas Eve, you're working. So you're, you're working when a lot of people are, and you should be doing things. So of course that affected them that like, you're not like, you can't go on vacations, which is okay with me. I don't like vacations anyway, but you can't do uh, all of those things that like, maybe you could have done years ago because you're getting ready for a holiday. Now the holiday comes, you're too tired. That's true. And, um, you know, my mother-in-law is a hairdresser and she'd work up until Christmas Eve because that's the most busiest time is everyone wants to get their hair done. Everyone wants to look good for the holidays. And I felt bad because she'd do Christmas Eve dinner. It's just like everything all at once. And then, you know, Christmas day comes and then, you know, you have to clean up and it's, it's a lot, it's just a lot. And seeing her do it, I was impressed that she would be still standing on two feet by the end of the weekend. I know that's definitely true in that business. It's true in anything like that. That's when the people need you. That's when you have to work, but you're also giving up something. So after owning the hair salon, how long did it take you to open up this business, the Jador Boutique? Um, so I waited till my kids got older and I just opened about 12 years ago and uh, officially about 12 years ago, but I was doing other things, but they were part-time. So, you know, this I knew was going to be a big commitment and obviously it was, and the business was different then it's changed throughout the years. And I must say also, my husband helps me because he grew up in the jewelry business. So jewelry is a big part of this store, which makes it a little bit different than other consignment stores. Every store is awesome and every store is different. So when I first opened that business, we used to sell camellia and troll beads. Remember when that was all really popular? I believe, are those the round ones that um, yeah, like you linked on? Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, but we were camellia and troll beads. Um, so that was also a big part of um, the store. And that through the years, that became unpopular. But jewelry is still a very big part of my store. And I can't, it just what's our thing. What doesn't make it better than others, it's different. And other stores, whatever they do is different. There's, everything is set apart. All these consignment stores, something sets them apart and they're all good. So what was it like from the beginning to open a consignment store? Well, I had been buying and buying and buying because, and just cause I like it. And so I think I could have opened a store without getting anything from anyone. (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband was so glad because, oh, I just kept buying, 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 buying. The whole house was filled with stuff. So it was a challenge because I really didn't know anything about that. I just knew what I liked. So it was a challenge, but it developed and grew. Plus I was on a different, I was in a different location. And I was on a very tough street for business, but that's what was available at the time. What street was that in Wakefield? It was Princess Street. So that's so the smaller street on the side. Yeah. Uh, parking was always an issue, which it, it is kind of anyway, but it's different in the square. You never got exposure. 
people driving down there. And there was really nothing else on that street when I went there. But now, you know, there's some businesses on there, but it wasn't, you're not getting... You're not getting a lot of foot traffic that you get on Main Street when it's a nice day and everyone's walking back and forth down Main to the lake. Yes. You get foot traffic, you get people driving by, and it's just different being on Main Street. I love where I am now. And you're in great location, perfect location. The size of the store is perfect. It's just, I've been there a few times and it, you, like you said, it's the best location you could be. I think so too. I love the location. It's not a huge store. And when I was looking, I was saying, well, it's kind of small, but I'm so glad it's not huge. And because it doesn't matter, honestly, you know, if it's huge, I'm going to fill that up. If it's not, I'm going to fill it up. So it's, it's good. I love the location. It's beautiful here. I mean, the library's gorgeous. We have a beautiful restaurant next to us. The square is, is beautiful. This end particularly, I really love. And Wayfield has been um, taken care of so well now. Like, like you said, the square is beautiful. It they is. planted so many plants. The lake, they really maintain it very well. The whole town itself, I think that whole center of town is well maintained for everybody to enjoy families, just everybody. Yeah, it has um, a different appeal to it with that lake. It really makes it. It does. And it, it, it brings in so many people from so many towns. So I'm sure it that's does. helpful to you. And it's easy for you because people are like, well, where are you located? Oh, I'm right next to the lake. Or yes, exactly. So that's helpful yeah. for you as a landmark. Yeah. Um, what have you seen over the years in terms of how fashion has changed in terms of what you're taking in as consignment pieces? What, has, what I've seen through the years, and maybe it's different with other people, is but with us here, you either had to go thrift or high-end. The middle of the road isn't going to make it, I don't think. So in our case, we went more high-end. Now, high-end are trendy. So let's say we're taking in clothing. People want to come in. They want something to look new or to be new, to be designer, trendy, or super fashionable. Now, that's not to say, like, I love Zara. Zara's not high-end, but they keep up with the trends, and they're super cute. So they're not going to sell for a lot, but people love to be in with the trends, just as well as they would love to buy a Gucci coat. So that's what's happened with us. We've had, but also to tell you that our number one seller in here is Louis Vuitton bag. So it's, you know, those, the bags and the accessories, that's grown through the years. But it's also became... It's become much harder to do that because it's harder to get. The cost is more. It's it's harder to, it's harder in general to get them. I mean, even at the store. So that, you know, and the accessories and everything like that and authenticity, it's, it's definitely changed through the years. So how, when someone comes in with the Louis Vuitton back for say, what is your um, qualifications to ensure that you can take it in? Do they need, um, I, I don't know anything high end. So how do you make sure it's authentic for you to sell to others? Okay. So I, if I have any question with the authenticity, I have to tell you, I've sold thousands and thousands of bags. So if I have a question, we always use a third party authenticator and I have four that I use. And, but, you know, that's if it's questionable. We don't need the receipt. It's nice if they bring it more value, but people don't like to do that. And I really care about the condition. If something we take in, the condition isn't as good, 
the price is going to reflect that. I'm going to explain it when we sell it on Instagram because I ship a lot of places and I don't want someone to open it and say they're disappointed. So, um, you know, what they bring it in. Sometimes people will buy something. Maybe they found it at the thrift store and it's not authentic. And they're not trying to scam me. They just don't know. So, I mean, it definitely is something that has to take time to check it out and make sure that it's right. We have a lot of people that will sell something because they don't want it. They don't, they need the money. That was a bad boyfriend. They are going on to something else. I mean, there's so many reasons. So when people say, why are they selling that? There's like a whole host of reasons why people sell things. And um, we're usually not at a deficit of product. That's one thing we have a lot. Also, we buy them outright. So rather than consign the bags, people like they want their money. You know what I mean? So 90% of the time we buy those outright. That's not the case with the clothing. That we do 50-50 and when it sells. It's clothing doesn't hold the value like an accessory does. Right. And it's interesting that you talk about the authenticity of the bags, because sometimes I'm sure you're in competition with a lot of online stores and, you know, people selling on eBay or Poshmark and um, Merakai, I believe that's how you say it. Yeah. And, Mercari, you know, yeah. and when I think about it, when you just talked about it, for me, who would be purchasing such a big purchase, I would, would want to go into a store with someone who knows it because you're not I'm, I'm just so skeptical about buying on an online site and I want to buy it to ensure that I'm getting my money's worth. So sometimes people will be like, oh, it's easier to buy online. It's probably cheaper. But going into your store, I feel like more comfortable and trust, trusting that you are selling me something that you know is a great product. And I would trust you on the end of that. This is a real Louis Vuitton bag. Yes. Well, it's not just the authenticity with that. People like to see them, feel them, touch them, put them on the shoulder, have an idea of like, sometimes certain bags will come in here and I know why, and it may not be appropriate for them. Like for instance, the magnets are weak. So when, if they have a baby and they, they uh, go down to the, to pick the baby up, the magnet's going to open and everything's going to fall out. So there's certain things that you can get when you see them or like a strap drop. You're tall, it might be too short. Like these aren't things that someone would think about unless you see it and feel it. With that being said, we send a lot of bags and items, clothing out to other states. I don't do, I don't do overseas anymore just because of the, the way shipping goes. But those people generally follow me on Instagram. They know that I'm not a Facebook seller. I'm gonna sell it to them and then run away. I have a whole business to lose if I'm, do that and so those we have a lot of repeat customers that have purchased from us and continue to purchase from us so it's online to them but because we have a physical location it's a little bit different it's a different experience and they i'm sure they trust you once they receive the bag and they know you've inspected it and they know it passes your quality inspection they know they're getting something that's worth what they're spending and we do stand by what we sell so, and that's yeah. great. That's yeah. like you said, sometimes buying online that you send the money and whatever comes is not even close to what was the description. I know that's easy. And that's not always the seller's um, fault because sometimes people don't have the knowledge of that. And 
they really aren't aware of that. That would be like me selling something I don't know about. So if I don't have the knowledge of that, I may not be answering the right questions. I just don't sell what I don't know. That, that's very true. And I think that's hard for anybody selling something they don't know. So the fact that you know it, you've had a history with everything you sell is also a great reminder why it's nice to come into your store and know there's a physical location with a shop owner that's been in the business for so long and seen so many products and knows them so well. Yeah, it's different. It really is different. And it's the same thing with the jewelry that we sell in here. The jewelry's all new. My husband stands by it. If you buy a ring here, you buy a nice gold ring and it doesn't fit, we size it free. You'll be with in a couple of days. You'll be back. And, you know, we sell a lot of gold and diamond jewelry. We sell a lot of sterling jewelry. And we try to keep up with that. So it's the same people that like that, that like the clothing and like the $5 rack. It's the same people. We all like different, we, you know, we like different things. As you've been open for 10 plus years, what are you seeing the changes in what people are bringing in? Um, so during this COVID time, the only thing anybody wore, you know, is black leggings and exercise clothing and comfy clothing. So we did not take any dressy clothes during that time. Now, I really think once this all kind of goes away and the events are starting again, then you're going to see a lot of dressy events. But I mean, we didn't, we, we stopped taking prom dresses a long time ago. We stopped taking, we never took business suits, trousers. People don't buy those at consignment stores. Even now, I don't see them buying as many jeans as, you know, but this is through the years. You know, I mean, there's so many things that are different also. A lot of people like vintage, which I'm not really a vintage seller. We are, we always have a vintage rack, but it has to be really unique, nice vintage. So you'll see more of that. People like to be smarter about what they purchase and they like to, you know, young girls. Like I always say, I don't think a vintage person looks good with vintage clothes, but I love young girls in vintage. It looks so good. Of course, it because they're so yeah, it's slender and they're beautiful. And not I mean, saying older people aren't beautiful, but it's like I could probably couldn't pull off a crop top. Let's just say that. So yeah, me neither. But it so, just doesn't. I mean, it looks so new and fresh right. on a young person, and when they put it together, and it doesn't even matter their weight. Just when they put together something vintage with something new, and gives it their own style. Exactly. And I have you noticed, well, I've noticed, um, I teach um, teenagers, I've noticed over the years, the trends of fashion. And now it seems like consignment stores or boutiques, consignment boutiques are really in for the teenager crowd. They're really into fashion, like you said, mixing it up with different decades of clothes. Yeah, but we don't really, that's not really our customer. Like, there's a, uh, that's why I say every store is different, like Hollister and all that stuff. That's not really our customer to kit and it takes space. So for us, if someone brings that in, I won't take it because I'm just going to hold up their items. But there are stores and I can send that I'll send them to them that do so well with that because maybe a store that's near a school or, you know, that's their customer. So, you know, because I'm small here, we don't have a ton of space. We have to limit what we take. On the other hand, like we don't take Chico's and stuff like that because that's not our customer either. You know, you kind of find your way, what's the best for, you know, your store as our, our, your area. 
as time goes on. And, you know, a lot of people that opened up consignments towards some really nice people that opened it up before the pandemic and they ended up having to close. They had, you know, it was a just terrible timing because I think consignment like is here forever. People are smart about what they purchase. They want something different. You know what I mean? They're smart. And I think for even people my age, like if I'm going to a wedding and it's a one-time event, I'd probably go over to a consignment store rather than running into the mall to grab a brand new dress. I feel like just for me, I would probably want to buy something at a consignment store because it's a one-time use. I get a few uses out of it. And then I don't feel as bad spending $150 on one item. And I still know if I'm going into your store, any store that I'm getting some type of quality. If I want a high-end dress, I could go to your store. If I want something in the middle of the road that's been used a few times, but not a lot, because it's funny my friends are and myself trends are changing every other month and it's like okay so I'm gonna go donate all these or I'm gonna give this to the consignment store and most of them have tags on it I know so many people I know which is you know as as wasteful as it sounds the fact that they're giving it to a consignment store and someone's getting reuse reuse out of it is a great thing as well yes I agree with that and a lot of people think like that now you know they they know that it's much more sustainable to, to do things that way. Plus they're going to get something different. There's so many reasons why, and you know, it's a matter of timing. So you might come in here and find nothing. You come, I might come in here and find everything. But if you come in here and say, I'm looking for a pair of red pants with a white button, you're not going to find it. Right. You have to, I guess you're right. You have to know what you need at that time. And you probably end up maybe going to five consignment stores. It's kind of like shopping at a job lot. You don't know what you need (laughs) and you're going like, oh, that's nice. But I think in a sense of, like I said before, with fashion changing all the time, consignment stores are a great substitute them rather than going to a banana republic and buying 10 outfits and only wearing them for a month yeah you go to a consignment store you can find an outfit and really make it something you could wear for a very long time and mix and match with everything or you might find that banana republic for 18 dollars Exactly. And that's what, you know, it's funny, a while, long time ago, I used to go to a consignment store and I'd have to go for job interviews or college events. And I would always go to the consignment store first to make sure I could find something there rather than going to the mall. Um, When this, like I said, I would find a dress with a brand new tag on it for maybe a quarter of the price. Yes. But see, now you've been doing this. There are people that just getting into the consignment or think it's kind of embarrassing to go to a consignment store there you know yeah yeah, and you know it's funny sometimes even just the Salvation Army you can find something there they love and people will be like oh you got that at Salvation Army I'm like what does it matter well it's great it's like you know it's I'm not it's a great place it may look kind of dumpy but you'll find great items there with brand new tags it's that thrill of the hunt (laughs) it is it It is. is And people, you know, it's funny, people, love, I know a few people who love just thrift shopping and going to consignment stores oh, and yeah. doing that throughout the hunt. It's like an activity, it's a hobby for them just, and be, yeah. having that eye for knowing what to look for is a talent in itself. It is. And that's what I mean about knowing what you're looking for. There could be so many treasures there, but if it's not your thing, you won't know it. But if it is, you can find the treasure. It's like going to a yard sale if you're like an old time bookseller and you know what you're looking for. You know, I love local bookshops and used bookstores. And the fact that 
they can go to a yard sale and pick out that book and know that's worth so much money. Yeah. You know, it, I feel, you know, sometimes maybe you feel bad for getting it for such a cheap price, but if they're willing to give it away, you know, that's their own discretion. Yeah. But just being able to see that and say, okay, that's a lot of money. That's a great book. That's a collector's item. Is incredible. That's what keeps you going back. Yeah, exactly. Keep going back. Exactly. So that's, that's wonderful that your store offers that opportunity to everyone around you. Um, what has it been like having a store during COVID? Well, during COVID, it did change a lot. So what happened was as soon as I never closed, as soon as they said, you know, you couldn't um, have people in the store, we started doing um you know, curbside pickup, I was probably busier than I've ever been in my life, but I knew that different things were going to sell. So for me, it was no different. I, I still came here at five in the morning and I, I post a lot. And I know some people that like do Instagram say, oh, you should post once a day. Well, I post like 12, 15 times a day. It's just, that's what I do. So my customers know, and they like that. So I knew I had to post different things. So I kind of so for me, it was, wasn't different as other people, but I also, I had it like a machine here after I post. And then I had one place where I wrapped everything up and then I sent my husband to ship it out. And so we did a lot of that, a lot of shipping, a lot of delivery and people stopping at the store. The only thing I can say that was really against me is we got broke into twice. And that unfortunately was, during when the looting was happening in Boston, um, that's the only thing that really was very, very difficult for us. Um, we got broken to 10 days apart. By the what, what happened? Well, I knew when the looting- You don't have to go into details yeah. if that's not necessary, just maybe a quick overview. Well, they knew what they were doing. They came in, they had been in the store, they came in with sacks and they cleared all the bags out. And were so were you there at the time or was it no, closed? It was in the night. And um, that was the first time. So then that was 10 days of lost work. Forget about all the product that was lost, but that was 10 days of lost work trying to get the glass and fix the store. And then we opened up and we did it again. It was a strip. We were the seventh one. That they in, in Wakefield or just consignment, consignment store in Massachusetts? They made their way right through the consignment stores. You know, it's not that I would ever do that. I would never think to do that. But um, in a sense, they that fact that they've been in your shop and they knew you sell high-end yeah. items, they knew this is a shop we should probably hit. And it's just sad. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, that's the only thing. I mean, we put up bars and gates and everything, and we were actually having them constructed when they did this. But it, you know, they had to construct them out of the store. So it was too bad. If it wasn't for that, things would have went as smooth as could be, but it doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not going down. It is what it is. It's done. It's behind us and it's never going to happen again. And that's good. That's sometimes things like that happens really puts a person in the dumps and say, oh, you know, I don't know if this is still a good idea. The fact that it hasn't changed your mentality, if not, I'm sure it made it stronger in a sense that this is my business. I'm going to keep it strong no matter yeah. what happens is a great mentality to have, especially as a shop owner and you doing it with your husband just together is something that you should stand behind as an entrepreneur and an independent store owner is, you know, no matter whatever happens, this is still my place of business. This is what 
I brought up with my own two hands. So that's great to know that you still have that mentality. It's a great reminder for anyone else out there who has some tough times like you've had. Well, it does get you down, but you get up and keep going. What's your choice? I'm right. It's, it's your career. It's your life. Yeah. It's for you and your family. Yeah. So that's, that's all we have. My husband works here too. So, and even if it wasn't all we have, I'm, that's not going to get me out of here. No way. I'm here to stay. I'll probably die in the store. You know, I'm 64. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I have no, I'm not ever retiring. That's it. That's too, and not to think it's funny that you would die, but it's funny to hear that some people it's just, yeah. it, that, and that just shows how dedicated you are and how much the store means to you. And I think for people to hear that as a customer, just knowing your loyalty to what you do is a reason to come in in itself. Thank you. I love it. I do. I mean, that's for, I think for me going into small stores and just seeing people do what they love is me, gives me a reason to go back. And I I think most people are like that. Yeah, exactly. Customers want to see the person loving what they do. Because if you love what you do, you put all your energy into the store and your customers. Yeah, it's true. So have you done Instagram for a long time? Because I do notice and I love the post. I like the 15 15 posts a day because I get to see every item you have. Have you become an expert at Instagram now? Well, I do it every single day. And I love to do that. But so what happened was when I first opened, Facebook was popular. And so then I was doing Facebook. My son, older son, he was, you know, the oldest of the kids said to me, you have to do Instagram. You have to, no more Facebook. I do it connected to Facebook. So that's why I did it. And um, just a couple times through the years, people would message me and that are from like experts on Instagram say, oh, you post too much or you shouldn't post the price or this or that. That's my thing. When I don't post the price, I don't know it because I'm at home. So some, but I try to like, what's the secret? You got to know how much it costs. And I get new things in every day. And I think for, I think it's important to post it because if you come in, let's say I'm going to show you a pair of earrings. There's so much stuff in this store. You're not going to see that earring. If I take a picture of it, now it's aside from all the other stuff that's going to distract you. So that's what I try to do. And I sell a lot because of that. And I think you're right. Cause I like for me, if I'm just hanging around the house, not all everyone's going shopping these days. They don't want to yeah. sometimes don't want to spend the time browsing in a store. And the fact that you're posting all the time and showing your new items, they might just call you up and say, Hey, I just want this one item. I love it. Let me come in and grab it. And that Happens is a sale time. you might've not gotten because they didn't want to be a little nervous to go outside or to yeah. go into a shop. So for you, I, I see that as a wonderful marketing tool. Yeah. For me, it, it really, really works. In addition to Instagram, what do you have a shop online that people could reach out to you? No, actually I'm in the process of doing that, but it's a lot you know, there's just, it's a lot to do. I don't have a lot of time. And I've been in the process of doing that for a long time. But one of these days, I'm going to put my foot down and do it. I don't sell like um, on Mercari or all those places. Like, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, I, there, there was a time when I did do that. I used to sell on eBay years ago. And when I was down on Princess Street, a little bit after that, I used to sell on eBay. But 
you know, there's a lot of scams out there. They say they get the product and they, and the box was empty. And, and then it's just, there's so much more to that, that I don't really like the way that has gone through the years and how um, I've, I've actually lost a couple of things because of that. And I've learned a couple of lessons. I've got scammed through my Instagram with, um, on two separate occasions, like on very expensive bags, you know, that can happen on its own. I don't need to go on so, another flight. Not to interrupt, but how does that happen? How did, not to say, here's how you scam someone, but how does that happen? Well, they knew what they were doing. And once you send it to them and like they did it on a holiday weekend and it just, they knew what they were doing. And so we're very, very careful now. This happened to me a few years ago. And then last year, the same people tried to do it again. So it's like, obviously they do it in other places. And I mean, it's not going to happen anymore, but believe me, the people that do that, we're not the only ones, you know, they know what they're doing. So that's a very hard hit for a consignment store, uh, a small business to take because people might think, oh, you make so much money on that bag. It's not like that. It's not like that. If the bag is $4,500, you're not making 2,000, 1,000 on that bag. No, where people think that. And some people really think you make all of the money on that. Like, it's just, you know, like, like I remember when I was a kid, I would think that, oh, so you own that. So you make all that money. What about you had to buy that? So there's, there's a lot more to it. And sometimes like you might have an item that's very, very expensive that you make very little money on, but it all goes together. Without that item, somebody may not come in here and buy something else or have the opportunity to be more well-rounded business. There's a little bit of this and a little bit of that with it. You know what I mean? And there are some items you really don't make any money on. It just, in some you make a lot. It is what it is, but it all goes together. And you have to be willing to take that risk to have a well-rounded business. And I think that's hard for um, newer entrepreneurs and new people who are going into business to get the handle of is, you know, when you sell these items or sell whatever you're selling, the money, it takes a while, quite some years for the money yes, to actually does. go to you and you to pay yourself. I, I think, think it takes forever. Like, I don't think it ever happens. <laughs> right. Because and I think it's hard for people to understand that it's, you know, I'm going to make all this money starting off and then all of a sudden all the profits going back into your materials, back into rent, back into electricity, back to maybe paying one or two employees. By the time you pay yourself, you're way further into the business. For yeah. And, you know, like as the business has grown, everything goes back into it. Because for us, we're buying jewelry too. And some of those jewelry items are very, very expensive. But my husband looks at it like, you know, it's money in the bank. You own that. So that's the thing about that. It's, um, you know, it's a lot of going back into the business always. Right. And how do you, how does the jewelry come in? Is that from customers as well? Or no. do you go to different areas? How does that happen? My husband takes care of that because he's grew up in this business. We get jewelry from the factory and people that he's dealt with and his parents have dealt with for years and years. So if someone brings in a David Yerman bracelet or something, that's a different story. We will buy that from them or we'll consign it. But generally the jewelry, like diamond earrings and 
you know, these other things, these are things that are brand new. And he works on making sure it's unique and we get a great selection, but we're always building that up. And that's good to know, because I think sometimes, I, I mean, for me, I'd be a little skeptical of buying earrings in a consignment shop, thinking, oh, are they used? Um, yeah, none of us are used. <laughs> so that's great. That's good to know for anyone listening who wants to buy earrings, um, unique earrings, and not want to have to go into a big jewelry store. They could shop around and see what matches their outfit or buy a handbag and earrings and all these accessories. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great, like you said, it's a unique part of your store that makes you stand out. Yeah, that's what makes us different. So it's we're kind of like a jewelry store and a consignment store. Yeah. That's wonderful. And it's working. It's working for you. Yep, it is working. Um, do you want to tell us a little about your store hours and how we can um, access everything online as well? Sure. So we're open seven days a week. We always have been. Mondays, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're open from 10 to 6. Thursday and Friday from 10 until 8. Saturday 10 to 6 and Sundays 12 to 4. Now we're often obviously you know I come early and sometimes people will like to come at a different time but we live about two streets away so we can be here whenever generally and but you know, we're here a lot, a lot of hours we've kept the same hours since we opened and um, uh, also you can find us on Instagram at Chador Wakefield without the apostrophe um, Jadua Wakefield, and you can also contact us through there. And also on Facebook for people that like Facebook as Jadua Boutique. So we have that. And, you know, so we have people from different areas that don't come. And I'm up a lot of times in the night. So I answer people when they, they ask me questions in the middle of the night. The only thing is I don't always know the price. I forget. So when I'm home, if they ask me the price, I don't know. That's great that you are easily accessible. We can contact you anytime. Is there anything they should know when coming into the shop in terms of um, the COVID protocols just to ensure they get the best experience possible with you? Same as everywhere, really. So, Michelle, thank you again for being on the show. I love listening about your history and the boutique itself. And I love to meet people from Wakefield. Um, and like myself, we love our own hometowns. <laughs> That's right, Allison. Thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you just did this. This is Michelle from Jador Boutique. They are Main Street in Wakefield, and you heard the hours. The best way to get in contact with her any time of the night is on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. Yes. Um, you can also call the shop. And really, it's a wonderful shop, high-end. They have jewelry, handbags, clothes. Um, give Michelle a call and she's a lovely person to talk to, as you can see, and she will give you the best experience possible. Thank you, Allison. You are very welcome. Once again, this is Allison from Be Locally Source Podcast, and I hope everyone has an awesome day.